Hello baseball fans and welcome in to another episode of the British Baseball Podcast. I'm your host Matthew and before we get into this week's episode, I'd just like to ask you if you could possibly like us and share us and subscribe wherever you can on your podcast listening device of choice. And if you can leave a review for the show, apparently it really helps us out. So if you can leave uh, some nice kind words, please feel free to do so. If you don't want to leave kind words, you don't have to. DM me if you like and let me know what you're enjoying about the show or not enjoying about the show. The social medias are on Twitter and Instagram and there's a Facebook page at Brit Baseball Pod. Or you can also email the show at BritishBaseballPodcast at gmail.com. So get yourself a brew, get yourself a curly whirly, not a sponsor, and let's get on with today's episode. So before we get into part one of the interview with Great Britain pitching and catching coordinator Will Linton, just got a few messages to, to go over. A few people contacting the show with a few announcements to shout out about and also some good deeds to do. Dugout Classics is now open. The chaps up in Scotland um, want to shout out to them and their new online shop, which is dugoutclassics.com. I must stress this is not an advert. I just want to do something nice for a couple of really good people that are selling some really great stuff, vintage and retro stock, which is refreshed every day. It's well worth having a browse on your tea break or in your spare time. So that's dugoutclassics.com. As you know, the whole reason for me being here is to understand more about this wonderful sport that we all love and the community as well. We all have an opportunity to do something wonderful for the folks up in Newcastle. The Nighthawks up there have started a GoFundMe page as they're trying to see their centre at Gosforth Sports Association become a hub for baseball up in the northeast of England for young players and players that are already um, playing the trade at the moment. Let's see if we can help them realise their dream. Head on over to their GoFundMe page. You can find links to it on their Twitter account and just throw them a tenner or whatever you can afford to do down there. So maybe you don't have yourself a pint. After you finish your game, you can just throw a few quid in your general direction. Every little helps, I uh, believe the phrase is. So let's see what we can do. And without further delay, that's enough of my ramblings. Let's get on to part one of our chat with Will Linton. I'm extremely happy to be joined by my special guest today, Mr. Will Linton from the Great Britain baseball team. And he is the pitching and catching coordinator for said team. Uh, Will, how are we doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Matt. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. Great. Uh, me too. Uh, it's been something that I've been uh, trying to get arranged for, for quite a bit. I've got lots of people coming in with ideas and suggestions, lots of people trying to get active and involved in the British baseball community, and I'm glad to see it's all coming together. And uh, like I said before, I'm really happy to, to have you on the show. Um, so you are now the uh, pitching and catching coordinator at Great Britain. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about what your new role is all about? Absolutely. Um, this is a role that uh, the head coach, Liam Carroll, had identified uh, for a while as something that was uh, both lacking but also needing. Um, and the specifics of it is for me to oversee the development uh, and deployment of our pitchers and catchers across all age groups, uh, ranging from the senior national team all the way down to the under 12s. Um, and it's a role that sees me equally working with players as well as supporting coaches within the national team program. And then the third branch is, is, a, is a club outreach and having uh, 
a much more outward facing role to figure out how we can support and develop the pitchers and catchers out in the community. Um, and I suppose there's multiple benefits from that, um, namely from a Great Britain baseball's perspective, if we've got more and, and higher level pitchers and catchers coming through, it's going to give us a better chance of putting a, a quality team and a competitive team on the field. Um, and then from the club's perspective, if they're able to improve the standard of pitching and catching, then in turn that will improve their own experience. So that's kind of the uh, the nuts and bolts of it. Um, but yeah, just yeah, I'm I'm about three months into this new role and and still mapping out my plan for success and figuring out where I want things to go. But it very much feels like a lot of my life through my journey as being a coach and my pr- prior years as a player has kind of led to this moment to now. Um, really dive deep into the world of pitching and catching. Great stuff. Uh, so what's the relationship like then between a pitcher and catcher? Um, I suppose well, the easiest thing to, to go with is is recognising that uh, pitchers are the stars. Um, it's yeah, As much as we'd love other players to be, they're the ones that start the, uh, uh, the motion. They're the ones that start the game. They're the ones that have to throw the ball. Um, and you can see how much value it, it, it brings to the game when someone like Garrett Cole uh, signs for over $300 million uh, to go play with the Yankees. So we recognize that they're the stars, but um, they also need a big brother or a big sister to show them the way. And for me, that's where I see the role of the catcher as being that big brother, big sister um, type uh, role on the field. Um, and that can take, for anyone who who has been an older sibling or has had an older sibling, you kind of know how that relationship can go. Sometimes it's putting your arm around their shoulder and, and helping them out of a tough spot. And sometimes it's kicking them in the butt and telling them they need to just sort their uh, uh, their business out and, and get ready to go. And I think that's the more nuanced part of it is understanding that not only is each pitcher different and each individual is going to respond to different cues and different triggers, um, but things might change over the course of a game or over the course of the season. So um, that relationship is is probably the most important on the field. And it's certainly the one that as a coaching staff, we look to the most as far as uh, cultivating and ensuring that our, our catchers are, are kind of in the foxhole with the pitchers, so to speak. So when, when you were playing yourself, were you a catcher? Was that your yeah. position? Back that as, was trade? Trade. Yeah, I was, I was a catcher. Uh, I became a catcher, I suppose, committed, like this is what I want to do and, and this is all I want to do when I was about 15, 16. Um, and then I went over to the States and I taught for four years at a, at a Division three college in California, uh, Menlo College, uh, which is in su- beautiful, sunny California, just, just, south of, um, just south of San Francisco. And mm-hmm. we should probably shout out to Menlo that they, I think as a, as a school, probably have had more GB national team players uh, than any other school in the state so far. Uh, Alex Malahoudis, who was my mentor, then obviously myself, and then right now Miles Jansen, um, who has been a player previously on the U18 national team. He's he's in his freshman season. So yeah, so I went to Menlo, caught there, and then when I came back, I, I caught until I kind of went into semi-retirement a couple of years. And every so often, the London Mets roll me out if we need to, but I'm I'm... I'm more comfortable in my coaching role now than I than I am playing. Um, so is is there much of a difference coaching at club level uh, versus a, a national level, um, or is it pretty much a similar sort of thing? Because do, do you sort of find that? I suppose what I'm trying to say is, 
um, how often does like the national team meet compared to like if if you're with a team you you you're going to be there from like, April through to August and you've got yeah. all the winter training as well. How often do the national team sort of meet up and how is it different? So I think contact time is probably the biggest difference. Uh, players will spend far more time with their clubs than they will with us, um, and as a result, whilst we have recommendations and we would like players to train and do things a certain way um, the reality is they will probably do most of the things the way that it functions in their club so we we serve predominantly as an advisory uh, capacity to players when they're training year-round certainly when they come to our practices and our events they'll they'll follow our protocols particularly around pre and post throwing to make sure that their bodies are prepared to throw and then the demands of pitching and catching um, and other positions as well but particularly with pitching and catching being such high stress positions that's of particular importance for us Um, and then the post throw because we need to be able to recover and bounce back and that is probably where we get into the biggest difference is clubs with the rare occasion that they either go and play at a European tournament or they um they have a trip where they might go play um, on the on the road. They might take a trip to Holland or Belgium or somewhere like that. So with those exceptions, clubs are mostly playing a game a week, whereas when we go, we're playing pretty much every day for five, six, um, sometimes even as many as 12 days in a row. I think we actually ended up playing uh, 11 or 12 days at the European Championship back in September. And that's always tough for us because we've got players who are used to playing once a week, and now the physical demands wear down pretty quick when you're trying to play baseball every day for a week straight. As far as the actual man management or player management, um, I would say the biggest challenge or biggest change for us is probably um, just depth of talent. You know, we're essentially taking an all-star team. You know, all of our pitchers can throw strikes. All of our pitchers can execute. So it becomes a little bit more thinking about, well, what's the matchup? Who's the best pitcher to help us in this scenario X? Um, or this scenario why whereas whilst there are some clubs who have some really good pitches I know there are some other clubs out there who are just praying that this next person can throw a strike um, which that's just an, an indication of the level of baseball and that's not a problem it's not a knock it's just different different problems um, at, at the varying levels um, so those are probably the biggest differences uh, and the biggest challenge for me is as I said trying to help uh, the players and the clubs who are supporting them and seeing them more regularly get them prepared for the demands of an international tournament, which, unfortunately, the British club structure and club competition um, just just won't. Playing one game a week will never prepare you for the demands of playing seven days in a row. Fair enough. Um, you said before you're about three months into the new role. Uh, how much input and sort of your vision have you been able to implement into the new role or has it all been like pretty structured and set up before you? Um, I have complete carte blanche to do what I want. There, uh, there hasn't been, as I said, there hasn't really been this role before. One of my best friends and one of my mentors, Zach Grafser, who was the previous pitching coach and started doing the pitching and, and catching coordinator type work, um, unfortunately had to move back to the States. Uh, and when he left, a lot of the things we had in place were mostly tournament focused. So coming into the role, there are some things that I need to address before the national teams travel. Just, yeah, not because it's anything bad, but just, 
you know, three, four years, there are things that change and we want to measure our success in, in different ways or or check that we still want to measure them the same way. But the stuff with developing um, our own athletes and working with the clubs, that's pretty much new to me and new to the program. So I've pretty much got a clean slate to go for it. Um, I've been bouncing ideas off of Liam for the last six months um, and I have some really fantastic mentors in the world of baseball that I've been speaking to and asking for for thoughts and ideas. Um, and where it's kind of come down to is this acceptance that whilst in order for us to prepare our players and get them ready to play at the highest level that, that Great Britain baseball needs them to, we need to throw five, maybe even six times a week. But the reality of that is going to be really difficult because of the demands of your average player's uh, life and, and the number of times their club practices. And it doesn't necessarily matter how many times I say, hey, we have to throw six times a week. That doesn't really have a meaningful impact on their ability to go out and play um, once a week. So to scale that back, I don't, I'm not giving up on that point. We're going to get there. We're going to have a group of athletes and a group of participants that are that will be ready to throw five, six, seven times a week. But before we get there, what I'm focusing on and what I presented on at BSUK's Coach Summit is this idea of having an intent-based throwing program. And what I mean by that is every time that you throw the baseball, you want to throw it with purpose. It's It shouldn't just be idly throwing the ball here, idly throwing the ball there, and just and just kind of hoping that it gets to where you want it to be. But every time you pick up that ball, you're thinking about where do I want it to go? How hard do I want to throw it? And did I execute effectively what I was trying to achieve? And I believe that if we can get people um, to buy into that and to understand the importance of having intent and purpose, everyone's throwing and catching will drastically jump up in this country and that will have a knock-on effect for the rest of the game and then once we've got that i can then start layering the other parts of my vision and my dream for for this program um, and ultimately where i want to get to i want to be able to send or i want to rather give the u18 head coach in 10 years time at least five pitchers who are all throwing 85 miles an hour plus um, if we do that we will put ourselves as one of the top two or top three pitching staffs in Europe at that age group. And that would give us a really good chance of, of winning some silverware there. Um, and for context, so that you and, and the listeners know where we're at, uh, last year when the U18s traveled, we had one pitcher who was between 80 and 82 miles an hour. And they were based overseas from the US. Um, so we've got, you know, we've got a lot of work to do, but it's, it's very plausible. If we put in the work, if we start with that intent-based throwing program and then we layer it by throwing five, six, seven days a week and complement it with a solid strength and conditioning program, we're going to get there. It's, it's, not, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's the, the, those are the challenges, but that's also the fun of it, and that's what I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of us will be looking forward to it too. Um, I've been following yourselves on, on Twitter for, for quite a while and, and, and yourself are um from like the coaching point of view you, you put some a lot of interesting things out there um the one that i wanted to talk to you about as well before was the um meditation and mindfulness um yeah. thing that you've incorporated into your sessions yeah. um from a personal point of view I've, I've started meditating and um doing the mindfulness stuff like being aware of of now 
how how are you incorporating that into your training sessions so we started with the premise of as you as you rise up the the levels of baseball or with any not just sport but any skill or activity the importance of having a mental approach and a sound mental game become increasingly important and there are some people at the uh, at the highest level at the major league level that might suggest that the mental game is is as important as 50 60 i've even heard references of of 90% of the game so but if it's that important why don't we practice it you know we have a 2 hour practice and we never do any mental training um, and we were toying around with how do we incorporate goal setting how do we incorporate the mental game into our practice and there was a trend that started um, in the states probably about three four years ago about using the first part of practice um, as a sort of men- meditation mindfulness type type activity um, and uh, I was I'd recently got into meditation myself at that point in time. I say recently, I was probably maybe two years in, but in the grand scheme of one's life, two years is is probably still just dipping your toe into meditation. Um, but so what we do is we just set the tone for practice. Um, if nothing else, we want to give the players two minutes where they're just present and they're just focused on their breath and how their body feels on any one day and we believe and we certainly feel that the players who i mean i'm we're mostly dealing with younger players and and life is is tough and it's stressful and we as humans just don't give ourselves enough time just to sit down and 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 catch our breath or have a cup of tea and just just reflect so we want to give our players that space where they can do it we then use it as a as a mental tune-up and we can use it as uh visualization um, thinking about how the task is gonna is gonna go, uh, we could use it as projection, where we think about how the practice or the game is gonna feel at the end of the session and what they want to feel when they walk out, um, or we can use it as kind of a check-in, so scanning the body and and getting a sense of how the the joints and muscles feel at that point in time. So and and depending on where we're at in the cycle, we use. Um, different scripts and, and different uh, focuses, but it's, it's all about just trying to give them that little bit of headspace to enable them to then be more focused and, and execute the task that we're, that we then get going with. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there uh, wholeheartedly. And it's, it's just great that it can transition into to sport. Like you say, if, you, if you've got the youngsters practicing that as well, if it doesn't pan out for them in baseball, <clears throat> excuse me, if it doesn't pan out for them in baseball, you're setting them up with um, some decent life skills there too um, to come away with. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things, I mean, it's it's a bit of a cliche, but I think like many cliches, there's, there's quite a lot of truth in it, um, that there are so many life lessons that you can learn from, from any sport, but especially a sport like baseball um, and the ability to, recognize when you are i mean the analogy or the story that i've that i turn back to most is if you can uh control your breath you can control your heart and if you can control your heart you can control your mind and if you control your mind you're still alive and you've got fight in you that same thing applies when you're in the batter's box or you're on the pitching mound and it's the bottom of the ninth in the championship game and you need to execute reminding yourself that if you can control your breath you can control your 
heart. And if you can control your heart, you can control your mind. And if you can control your mind, you've got a chance to win this game right now. That can be applied to so many situations, whether it's a job interview, whether it's dealing with an unexpected tragedy, um, whether it's just having the courage to talk to someone who's unfamiliar uh, uh, in, in whatever context that might be. I, that is such a tremendous life skill. And, and it, all it starts from is that practice of, of, of mindfulness and the ability to take one breath and that's it. And that's the first step. And so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in its importance. And I will, um, you know, for as long as I'm coaching, I will be advocating for, for making uh, mindfulness and meditation part of what we do. I think it's great. And I think the more people that can get involved in it, um, not only trying to preach or anything, but like you've, all the points you said, there's, there's, there's not many negatives, or if any negatives to take away from it. It's just a couple of minutes of, you, of your training. You, you warm up your, your body at the start of training. And that takes 10, 15 minutes to loosen up your muscles. Like I said, then it's the mental side of the game that can also need, uh, quote unquote, warming up as well. Absolutely. And also, I suppose I take responsibility as a coach for helping players out and, and trying to put them first. And you you have no idea, no matter how well you know your players, you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know what's going on. And if you have them for one day a week, I and mean, we have some of ours in the the high performance academy twice a week but if you have if you see them once or twice a week but you can give them two minutes of time where they can just be present you have it it is you cannot quantify how much of an impact that may have in their lives equally someone else might think it's completely hokey and and, and not for them and that's fine but your ability to have an impact on a player um away from their life from from baseball or sport is um is incredibly profound and something that i think we we all in the coaching community uh take a lot of pride in yeah yeah and it's commendable uh really respect everything you're doing uh with that and it's um let, let's hear if it takes off with with some more coaches well i will say this i mean if anyone wants to break um stuff down whether it's pitching catching or mindfulness then please absolutely feel free to reach out to me but also, from the mindfulness meditation, like, um, check out Alan Jager um, of Jager Sports on on Twitter and and, and you know, the interwebs. He is probably the world leading. And he was the inspiration for the work that we started doing within GB Baseball. And I know he's gone on to inspire a lot of other coaches in the state. So if anyone's looking for that jumping off point, like Alan Jager um, at, at Jager Sports, he's you know, he's the he's the guru, so to speak. He's the one that started it all. Crack him. Great stuff. Um, have you got any sort of wishes for British baseball in the 2020? Um, I mean, I that's quite. Uh, yeah, I do. I I've got I've got a, a laundry list of things. I think probably top of it is recognizing what a big year 2020 is for us, and for us not to be caught off guard. I mean, the obvious one being Major League Baseball coming back with the Cubs and the Cardinals. Uh, but we also have Great Britain baseball playing in the World Baseball Classic qualifier in March. Um, and then we will just have the continued efforts around us outside of our, our club's activities to raise the profile of baseball. So probably my number one um, request is that we all we all kind of join hands as, as we do already, but even to a greater extent and think about what else, what else could we do 
what else is possible you know and it doesn't have to be perfect every time but we just could we do a little bit more could we find a way to make sure this session is a little bit more um open to new participants can we make sure that um you know that that more than just the people in our email list are aware of training like what else could we do how can we grow our membership if we can do that i think we're going to set ourselves up for a future that um is 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 beyond any of our imaginations right now um but is certainly in some of our wildest dreams and there you go i'll leave you on that cliffhanger so the next episode will drop on monday as usual and we'll continue our chat with will Inton. See you next week. Ta-ra.